Yeah. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Saturday, February 2nd, 2019, Groundhog's Day. Punxsutawney Bill did not see his shadow. So, early spring, very exciting news here at the podcast home base. Couple things going on. Number one, as I speak, there is a webcam recording this. So we may have video and visual footage for you visual learners out there. We'll see. We'll see how the technology works out. Perhaps some audio and video postings as we jump into technology from 2000. And seven. Yes. Brian Francis podcast live and in full effect. You know the guitar riff in the beginning? A strange thing happened to me when I attempted to play that. I couldn't remember it. I don't know what the heck happened, but I could not recall how to play that fairly simplistic riff. After playing it an infinite number of times. In sports, this is called the yips, when a player seemingly cannot do something that they've done for their entire career. They get a case of the yips. I don't know what the scientific name for this mental block is. A famous player with the yips, I believe his name was Chuck Knobloch. Did he, was he a baseball player for the Yankees or the Mets? I can't recall, but it felt like a New York team, a second baseman. And when you're a second baseman, you throw over to first an infinite number of times in your career. And Chuck did that just fine. And then one day a grounder comes to him and he throws to first base, sends it right into the stands, over the first baseman's head and deep into the stands. And everyone laughed about it, and you thought the ball just got away from him. But then he did it again and again, and the yips continued. This is bizarre. Why does this happen? Because this is what it felt like when I forgot that guitar riff. I couldn't, a mental block, or perhaps early onset dementia. Not sure. Philadelphia 76ers have a player, uh, Marquise Foltz. Who, say that right, uh, is struggled so mightily with the free throw. Not only could he not make the free throw, he essentially forgot how to shoot a basketball. How do you make it to the pros and then one day you wake up and you can't do the thing you've always done? There are cases of the yips in golf. And another one in baseball in which I believe the catcher instead of throwing the ball back to the pitcher after every pitch, suddenly could not throw the ball back. Had to walk the ball back to the pitcher. I've got the yips on that guitar riff, but I think I have it back. I think I've recalled it yet again, but we'll see. All right, last week's podcast spoke of the shake, uh, the, not shake shack, I always confuse the two, the steak and shake. I said it burned down, I misspoke, it did not burn down, but there was a fire, and I believe it's still not open. I claimed insurance fraud, I still do claim insurance fraud, but I hate to 
uh, blow anything out of proportion. It didn't burn completely to the ground. When I did the podcast two weeks ago, the news was still breaking, and uh, I'm, I misheard. But I think it is still closed. And uh, were I a quality uh, investigator and journalist, I would have driven by and made a note of it. But I completely forgot, and I probably passed that restaurant three or four times. This is why you should leave the news to the professionals and not some dork with a podcast. Because I don't know what I'm talking about. So if it turns out that the Steak and Shake opens, and this was not an insurance fraud ploy, I will fully apologize. Now I have apologized. And I will uh, delete the name from the title of that previous podcast because I don't want to cheer up fake fake news. There's enough real news out there to talk about. It is Super Bowl weekend. Rams versus Patriots. I predict Patriots 52, Rams 10. Not that I want that outcome. I'm pulling for the Rams, but I think it's going to be a Patriots blowout. I think it's going to be what I would call a normal Super Bowl. Now, the previous couple of years, Eagles Super Bowl and I believe it was Patriots Atlanta, the one before, very exciting. And I feel like we've been blessed with a very exciting Super Bowls past five, six years. But you got to remember a time in the late 90s, early 2000s when they were a bunch of stinkers. That's what I call a normal Super Bowl because we got in this rut in which the games were over by halftime. I, I hope this isn't the case, but I feel that that's what's going to happen tomorrow. I was at the worst Super Bowl party one time. This was the mid to late 90s. I think Dallas was in it. They, they had a run in the late 90s. And they, um, was it Dallas, Denver? Whatever the case, you know I've spoken about gambling in the past. So one side of the party bet Dallas and the other side bet the Broncos, although that doesn't feel right. Whoever Dallas was playing and somehow both Sides, both factions of this party ended up losing because the point spread that they received from one bookie and uh, a different group used a different bookie and the end score fell right in that gray area, that one point differential and somehow it was almost mathematically impossible, but both sides lost. That was a miserable party, folks. I didn't gamble, but boy, the glum faces. It's almost it's almost impressive. <laughs> you know, when you're uh, betting like that, if sometimes if people are in some sort of pole or pool, they uh, want to start to lose because you can somehow come in last place and win a prize. If you can pick to lose, you can pick to win, right? So the big news in the uh, Brian Francis compound is, uh, alas, my wife was uh, stricken with stomach pains and uh, turned out she uh, had some gall gallbladder issues and uh, went into surgery and had her gallbladder removed. She is fine, folks. She's doing well, recovering quickly, you know, almost fully recovered, uh, whereas I would be laid up in the hospital for six months. My wife is tough as nails, uh, in, out. Out the next day, microscopic incisions. The thing is gone. This lame gallbladder. 
And I talked to her about this prior. I said, can I talk about your gallbladder on the show? Because I am so secretive and neurotic about my health. She's an open book. She said, I don't care. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful and glad that she is doing well. And a number of people reached out. Uh, thank you for that. She's already pretty much there. Um, in terms of recovery. So, but it was, it was something. Uh, I thought more about the gallbladder than I ever had my whole life. What a lame and stupid uh, organ. Really, you know, her, her post-surgery uh, instructions were, uh, she asked, is there anything I should change? Any dietary limitations? They're like, no, nah, you're good. It's just, you're fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. They had her out like the next morning, eight in the morning. I was like, that. That feels a little early. It was a, it was a pretty short hospital stint. Uh, and the gallbladder apparently does hardly any. It's like the appendix. The lamest of all organs. The appendix. The only role of the appendix, and seemingly the gallbladder now, is to just screw up. Just get inflamed. I'm the heart. I pump blood into your through your veins into your body. I'm the lungs. I provide oxygen for you. I, I'm the appendix. All I do is get inflamed and get removed. That's my function. I'm the gallbladder. All I do is screw up. You know people like that? The like appendix of the human world that like they don't really serve a function except to mess you up? I can think of a couple people like that. So, but she's doing well, and, uh, you know, I came into her room right after surgery. She was still fairly groggy, and, uh, you know, I bent down, I whispered in her ear, I said, did you hear the new podcast? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say that. I tried to step up my game and really be a, a solid husband this week uh, as the family was thrown uh, a bit upside down. And I feel like I did. But in part of my maybe dealing with maybe the way I deal with stress is think of jokes. Maybe that's one of this outlet too. And uh, I thought of ways in which I could have been an awful husband. And that probably would have been right at the top. Did you hear the podcast? I came into the room and the doctors and nurses were there and I put down, you know, the laundry for her and uh, I leaned in and I didn't. The doctors looked at me. I said, what? What, because I didn't separate the darks and the lights? I don't understand why you're giving me this look. If you could just detach her IV so she could start to separate this for me, you know, to give her something to do while she waits for surgery. Again, what awful things can you do? Can you make this surgery about yourself? It's like my youngest daughter, she said, Mom, is Mom going to be okay? She was concerned. The oldest one said, uh, I said, yeah, Mom's going to be fine. The oldest one, her big concern was, Dad, so can I get off from school tomorrow then because of this surgery? Come on. I get off from school? Her immediate concern was, how does this affect me? I said, don't make it about yourself. Can we please not make this about ourselves? But I want it to. Narcissism. When she was going in for surgery, I thought, wouldn't today be a great day to finally get my own laser eye surgery? 
maybe today would be the a good day to do it. She said, Brian, you know, I really need you to help with the kids while I'm in the hospital. I said, ah, I've actually scheduled a laser eye surgery on that day. I know I've been wearing glasses for a decade, but I feel like today's the day I'm ready to dump my specs. I'm going to need your mom over here to help us with mostly with me recovering uh, from my laser eye surgery. How can we make other people's pain about ourselves? Isn't that what the podcast is about? She's doing fine. She's such a good wife that she chose to have a uh, a sudden gallbladder attack in the two-week interim between the NFC and AFC Championship Games and the Super Bowl. I mean, what a solid wife. Right in that dead zone window where there's nothing but the Pro Bowl, really. I don't mind missing the Pro Bowl for this, which is by far the lamest sporting event in the universe. They don't even tackle. It's it's just a horrific sort of uh, excuse for an all-star game. So she chose a nice window in which to uh, have this gallbladder attack. And I took a, a day or two off to help her uh, get situated back at the home and uh, the home, our home, not the home. Our home. And she's already up and about. She's she's fine now. Uh, a little sore, but you know, up and about. But uh, so I sat there with her on the first day, and as part of recovery, uh, I did something I've never done before. I sat and I watched a Lifetime movie with her. I watched a Lifetime movie in its entirety. And you know that I fancy myself a writer, a screenwriter, an idea guy. And I always thought and assumed that I could easily write a Lifetime movie, right? Isn't it just a smattering of cliches? Isn't it so easy to pen one of these things? Now, after watching one, and I forget the title. The titles of these movies, they're all the same. It's always Deception by Lies. Seduction by Night. These are the titles of these Lifetime movies. So after watching one, I realized I could never write one of these. They are way more creative and unbelievably surreal than I thought. Got a little fire alarm going off. It is Saturday. It's eking into Saturday night. Just a glass of water for me now. That beverage may change soon. The climactic scene in this Lifetime movie, woman is fighting with husband, yelling at husband. Also, her affair uh, lover dude is also in the room, and they're fighting. And there's this bizarre love triangle, and the three of them are screaming and fighting. I love you. I hate you. I never – and at this point, I I feel like I could write this movie. Like, you know – yeah, the love triangle. That's kind of a cliche. Fighting, screaming, fighting. But she's also giving birth at the same time. She's punching this one guy, swinging. She's got a knife. She's flailing this knife. And there's a baby coming out of her vagina. I thought I could never write this stuff. This is too good. I am not that creative. It was unbelievable. 
the knife, the baby. And she was swinging the knife. And I believe she was saying, I don't want to have this baby. And she was trying to draw the baby back into her. I won't get too graphic, but that's essentially what she was trying to do, to withhold this birth. It was an unbelievable scene. I've never seen anything like it. In Hallmark movies, things work out in the end. In Lifetime movies, things do not work out. Things go crazy off the rails. So there, and then we went to, uh, you know, so a couple people have come out now with their gallbladder stories. Apparently it's a very common surgery, very common affliction, particularly, uh, women in their forties. So, uh, talked to one woman who said, oh yeah, gallbladder. I got that out, uh, you know, about two years ago. I said, oh, what was it like? She said, well, I, I was in pain for about a year. I said, you're in pain for a year? She said, yeah, about a year. And uh, my husband kept telling me it was heartburn. He said, take a Tom's, it's heartburn. And, uh, and I thought, what, what an ogre you live with. <laughs> That's hot. You're good. Stop your complaining. It's heartburn. The game's on. That's rough. This dude, this guy. What is your medical degree, sir, that you can easily dismiss this as heartburn? So after a year of complaining about severe stomach pain, she went to the doctor, and I guess her gallbladder was having a year-long attack. She got it removed, and she feels much better now. And then, you know, you tell people about, yeah, my wife was out of work for a little bit with the surgery, and I... I swear when people would ask me about this, I detected a hint of jealousy, a slight hint of jealousy at essentially a painful surgery uh, situation. Other people thought, hmm, I wish I could have had surgery and, you know, uh, been out of work for a week or two or however long it would take someone to recover. Jealousy. Now, I get it a little bit. A little sick part of my mind gets it. I've been working for 17 years. I know. I know. But there's another part of me that thinks don't wish yourself ill health to get out of work. You can't be that. I remember talking to a teacher a number of years ago, different school, a wood shop teacher, and he said, sometimes I think about when I'm using the bandsaw, just taking a pinky off, you know. Probably get about six months off. I thought, really? My God. You're thinking about chopping a limb off so you don't have to deal with high school teenagers. This is no good, sir. You need to get your resume in order and apply for a different job. You should not wish illness upon yourself or injury. This is the opposite of what we should do in this world. Imagine God sending down St. Peter. St. Peter saying, oh, let me see how these humans are doing, coming back and God saying, St. Peter, how are they doing? Do they like the bodies I gave them that can run and jump and swim and do all these things? St. Peter said, well, the one guy I talked to was hoping for a gallbladder attack. 
This other guy cut his hand off to get to get two weeks. This is not appreciating. But again, there's a little part of me that gets it. The working work doesn't work. Screw up our mentality. The world is upside down. If our priorities are so out of whack that you were jealous of my wife's gallbladder surgery. No, we didn't get to keep the gallbladder. God, I wish we did. I didn't even get a look at it. Or as my youngest daughter was calling it, the gold bladder. Which to me sounds like a James Bond film. Gold bladder. So, she's fine. A couple people brought some meals over. A couple people asked. Uh, and I know we didn't make a big announcement about it. Or more people would have known. They would have certainly reached out. So, people are kind. When these things happen, you realize how kind people are. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by Integrity Wealth Management. They can help you with portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, estate planning and services, life insurance, and wealth preservation strategies. Please call them at 215-864-3598 or visit their website at www.integritywealthmanagement.com. Thank you, Integrity Wealth Management. In work the other day, we are periodically called as teachers in to cover another class. Hey, this teacher had to go home early uh, with a gallbladder attack. Can you uh, cover the class? Can you be the substitute teacher? And I usually say, sure, if I can. I, I try to help people out. And um, sometimes I'll, I'll be in a classroom and, and they'll say, are you the sub? I'll say, no, I'm not the sub. This is my own classroom. I'll be like, it's, it's May. It's me. You don't recognize me? We've been at this since May. No, I'm not the sub. We've, we haven't made any connection at all. I'm not, I've been here every day. No, that's not true. Sometimes you feel like one or two kids are so disconnected, they, they don't even know if you're the real teacher or the sub. Uh, there's one, one particular student of mine I, I have in mind when I mention that. Called in to cover another class, and I rarely go to the second floor of my built building uh, where I work. And even more rare is I was called into a room which I totally forgot we had. We have a planetarium in our high school, a planetarium which is long, defunct, and out of order, but still there. It's still this white, domed shape, ceiling, windowless airless room it's sealed like a crypt and uh i always get excited when i go into the planetarium i wish it worked i think that's going to be on my agenda hey let's get this thing back up and running again it feels like it's straight out of the 1970s it feels like it's from jimmy carter's america when the hope and promise of the future rested in space exploration. Aside from Elon Musk and a couple other people, we've kind of lost the optimism of outer space, haven't we? And I'm a big planet guy, big planet guy. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. 
Now, I know Pluto had its controversies the past couple of years. Frankly, I don't want to get into it because don't get me started. They were saying, what, that Pluto potentially wasn't a planet? I don't know what its current status is. I think it is a planet again. There was a controversial debate. Anyway, I like that planetarium. It reminded me of, as a boy, going to the Franklin Institute on field trips to their planetarium, in which you would lie back and the lights would dim and a gentleman with a deep voice with his mouth too close to the microphone would say, all right, here's the Milky Way. And with a laser pointer, you would look up in the sky and he would circle various constellations and planets. And that was always an exciting trip. Or in high school, I recall the Franklin Institute made a little cash on the side on weekend nights by showing Laser light shows, laser light shows. And these would be things like Laser Floyd, Laser Zeppelin, Laser Palooza, although I felt Laser Palooza sort of jumped the shark. I was sort of getting out of going to the Franklin Institute laser shows by Laser Palooza. But many a high school night spent with chums and friends at the laser light show. I told someone this, and she's from central Pennsylvania, and there was no equivalent. So I realized these are the perks of growing up in the big city. I took for granted that everyone had their own planetarium, but not so. So I recall distinctly standing in line for the laser light show and uh, in this hard marble floor and dude standing next to me, I didn't know, just the guy, high school kid around my age, just took a face plant, just <laughs> tipped forward and just smashed his face on that floor without no arms out to break his fall. It was ugly. I think he, he turned out okay, but I'll never forget that. My man. Just say no. My man was on a little bit of something. Ready to make those lasers even more significant. I remember you get in there and the laserologist, was that his name? I keep saying his because I only remember men, uh, the voice of males in these laser light shows. And they would say things like, hey, if you really like that show, clap loud and we'll do another one. And even as a high schooler, I knew that this was a a preset track that no matter what, they were going to play the entirety of Dark Side of the Moon, regardless of how hard I clapped. If there were two people in the room and a smattering applause, they were going to play the entirety of Dark Side of the Moon because, again, it was a pre-programmed track. It's like we used to go to a Taylor Swift show and shout out a request. They'd be flummoxed. She couldn't shift gears. The lighting is already programmed. The dance moves already choreographed. The outfit already pre-selected. She couldn't pivot mid-show. Nor could this laser guy. But he gave you the illusion that he could, that he was making these things up on the spot. But I knew he wasn't. Good job, laser guy. Oh my goodness, 
Dark Side of the Moon is over, but he's playing something off the wall because we clap so loud. He's breaking all the rules. This was all the rules. This was laser pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon, but he's playing something off the wall. I hope the cops don't shut this down. This guy clearly doesn't play by the rules. I was trying to think of like, what would be the worst laser light show? Like a laser light show that would open up and close the same night. A total flop. I'd go with laser Lightfoot. Laser Gordon Lightfoot. That's right. The third Lightfoot reference in the podcast. Canadian singer-songwriter. Back for another go-round. Laser Lightfoot, I think, would be brutal. Sundown. Better take it. Um, Laser LaBelle. I'm thinking of like the letter L, alliteration. Laser Lansbury. A little motif on murder she wrote, perhaps, Angela Lansbury. Uh, yeah, I know she's technically not a singer-songwriter, but perhaps there could be some crime solved as well. I don't think people saw the full potential of the laser show. And maybe they didn't because they don't do these things anymore. The laser show folded. I think once people's home computers uh, eclipsed the technology of the planetarium, people yawned and said, well, I can take my drugs and do this at home. And I don't have to face plant on a marble floor to do it. Did I miss the laser shows? I would go to another one. But that planetarium, it feels so 1970s. It's just, uh, I started watching on Netflix this documentary on Ted Bundy, the serial killer Ted Bundy, real audio tape of Ted talking to an interviewer spliced with uh, footage, and uh, it's pretty interesting. But in the beginning, they lay out uh, sort of a history of serial killers, which I have a passing interest in. I've read Helter Skelter and uh, Horror Movie Buff, which I know. It's fiction and serial killers cause heartbreak, and I know it's it's a, a different sort of thing, and it's not quite fandom serial killers, but an interest, we'll say that. And I was shocked to realize how many of the big names, the big serial killers, occurred in a very small window, time frame-wise. It all seemed like mid to late 70s. Son of Sam, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Charles Manson. All in that, like, mid-70s range. Jimmy Carter's America. What was going on in that time period? Space race. Well, not quite the space race. That, that really heaved up with Reagan. But planetariums, simulated space, and serial killers. I don't know. <sighs> so we'll see. We'll see how the Bundy documentary goes. Someone said, hey, I... Uh, I listened to your blog. Let's talk about terminology for a minute. Actually, a couple of people have said this. Now, I listened to your blog. 
Blogs are written. Podcasts are spoken. What you did was listen to my podcast, not the blog. Someone else said, you know, you had the blog and the books and the podcast. I hope you find what you're looking for. That th- that I was taken aback. I hope you find what you're looking for. Uh, yeah, and I, maybe that's the perception that I'm manically looking for something. And it's true. I am. I'm looking for money. I'm looking to get paid for this. Now, and maybe I should have mentioned this in episode one, not episode 22. That if you're just tuning in, this might seem like uh, just a pathetic uh, grasp at attention. But it's not. I would like to have my art sustain my lifestyle. I would like to have an income, and I've had some income based on some of my arts, but not enough to sustain my lifestyle. And that's my goal. That's what I'm looking for. Not necessarily likes on Facebook, not necessarily notice me, look at me. I would like to do the whole thing with a bag on my head as I have the new webcam now. Irony. Uh, because it's it's less so about me than getting the art out there. And every time I post one of these, a little part of me is mortified and recoils. And I wish there was another way to do this in which I was removed. Because although you probably don't believe this, this is not attention-seeking behavior. It's trying to get the art out but I almost want to immediately disconnect myself to what I've done. Because it's embarrassing. Because everything's embarrassing. Being a human is embarrassing. Because here's the thing, like people love entertainment, but they, if they know the entertainer, you know, they can sometimes loathe the person. You hate the entertainer. Like I'm sure Stephen King showed people in high school a couple short stories he wrote and people were like, shut up, Stephen King. Shut up. You're such a dork. Leave me alone. But now Stephen King is acceptable. There's this tipping point that an artist, once professional, is acceptable. But in the journey to mayhaps become professional, is repulsive. We like you when you arrived, but we loathe you on your way. That's presuming I'll arrive. One never knows. What's the saying in the Bible? They said to Jesus, you can't be a prophet in your hometown. I feel that sometimes, and I feel I've earned the right to compare myself to Jesus. Um, so... We'll see what happens. But that's that's the motivation. Money. One of the podcasts did jump up in numbers. One I published on October 20th about fantasy football suddenly skyrocketed in listenership. I've been dabbling on Twitter, posting some things in other places, and uh, who knows why this one took off. But there is magic beans somewhere. There's a magic formula somewhere, and I will crack the code. We got some snow this week. Uh, A little bit, not too much. 
My kids were excited. They said the teachers opened the shades and they looked out the window while the snow. There's nothing like little kids and snow to get them so abuzz. But I recall a few years ago, one of my daughter's teachers, when it snowed, she was teaching a lesson on, ironically enough, the weather. And when the snow came, she pulled the shades down and said, stop looking outside. Focus on this weather unit. Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. She said to the kids, she said, look up here. I am not the snow. That, that phrase blew my mind. I am not the snow. I'm always thinking of potential memoir names. I am not the snow. That might be one of them. Always thinking of potential punk rock band names. Got another one for you, folks. Got another one. Tire fire. Tire fire. I like the balance, the symmetry of the letters, of the nouns, and vowels. Tire fire. I mean the consonants and vowels. Um, maybe not heartworm, but uh, it's, it's good. I'm going to add it to the list. With the snow, uh, we haven't had many snowstorms. We are edging uh, now February 2nd, Groundhog's Day, and we haven't had a big one yet. I kind of like a big one. I don't like a big blizzard, but uh, I don't even see anything on the horizon. It's supposed to warm up next week. But as we get into February, I like to play this little game with my oldest daughter. We play it together, and the game is who's going to take their Christmas lights down last? It's a neighborhood game we like to play. Christmas lights in January, sure, people like to extend the season. But once you make the turn and get into February, you start focusing on the competitors. You start focusing on the four or five competitors in the neighborhood, and you wonder who's going to win this year. It looks like it's going to be, as always, a close and exciting race. A standoff. Who will take their Christmas lights down last? Will we make it to St. Patrick's Day this year? Will we even make it to Easter? Nobody knows. This is why this game is so exciting. You don't even need to wager on it. Of course, we do wager, but you don't need to. We don't wager. So um, in an effort to think of another 12-week goal... If you recall, I ran the half marathon a couple uh, month, a month or two ago now. Now it's seeming far away, isn't it? I kind of thought of another one. This is for your approval. We were driving home the other night, and uh, in Bucks County, there are these tiny little playhouses, these little community theaters. And I thought, maybe that's it. Maybe Ryan Francis performs in a play. That feels about 12 weeks. Memorize some lines. Be in a play. I would like a very minor role, very minor role, in which I would completely overact my lines. I just want to be a butler in the community theater play. Come out with my one line and say, Your tea, sir! Just way over the top. And they wouldn't have the heart to cut my role because, you know, he only has one line. Let's let him butcher this. But, the, you know, the narcissist in me believes I could, I could probably 
I could probably play the lead role and to some to some fame, to some fanfare. I did look what plays are being performed uh, over the next couple months, like what auditions are happening now in anticipation for plays in the future. And actually, my favorite play, Doubt, is being performed in a small community theater near here. And uh, there's only about four roles in this play. So I would, were I to audition for this play, I would have to be the lead character, a priest in this nasty drama, Doubt. Very clever and dark story. Um, so we'll see. I would like to act in that or maybe Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, if you've ever seen that fantastic play about real estate salesmen. Uh, but again, if I start to talk about the play I'm in, I feel like that's, that's when you jump ship and say, the hell with this guy. Jesus Christ, enough already. I get it. I get it. I feel the same way about myself. Imagine being me. It's worse. Here's the thing about the arts, though. Uh, you know, having published some books and had some book readings and a one or two, two actually, book launch parties, like, and they've been very well attended. And the deal, the sort of unspoken nudge, nudge, wink, wink is you can't just hope that people show up for your stuff. You kind of got to support them as well. Which means I've sat through a number of horrific poetry readings over the years. Some have been fantastic. And I've seen some plays that have been very well done. But... I've also been in plays in which I wanted to go into the back and hang myself. Um, and that's, that's kind of the deal with the arts. You support your friends, even if you're looking at your watch. I feel like this podcast is a little easier to support, maybe, because I'm not asking you to go anywhere. I'm not asking you to pay anything. You could even listen to me on your toilet, and that's cool. So this is a very low commitment sort of format. So we'll see. One thing you don't know about me, and this will sort of wrap up today's podcast, is that I am a bird enthusiast. No, not the Eagles, although I am a huge fan of the Eagles. I'm talking about actual physical birds with wings and feathers. I find that birds often enter my life in strange ways. Sometimes they will perch in a window near me, I recall one in college that came to me at a time, and I felt like I'm always looking for symbolism within birds. I have a bird feeder now that I spend probably too much time looking at, the woodpecker, the cardinal, the blue jay. Birds have all, I've, I've studied their habits I have a bird tattoo of a long-tailed swallow on me. 
birds. Birds. I don't even know why. I can't even explain why. But I feel like they have messages for me. They're patterns of flight. The Greeks would study flight patterns of birds and interpret them as messages from the gods. I kind of feel that that's, that's my relationship with birds. Not always even positive, really. I've had negative relationships with birds, but they're just a part of my life. The Greeks would also sort of read the future or consult an oracle and get the response from the gods or the oracle. They would cut open an animal and study the intestines of an animal. And they would think that that would also inform them about their lives and the future. I study bird flight patterns. Now, I mentioned before that we are going to Ireland and uh, a couple people said, oh, you're going to like the Guinness, you're going to do the pubs and this. And of course I am and of course it will be fun. But one thing I haven't admitted to anyone, but I'm going to admit this now, I'm also exciting, excited to do a little bird watching over there. To do a little bird watching, to see birds that are not found in the northeast part of the United States. Because I'm a little burnt out on the rock dove, on the sparrow, on the northern chickadee. I love the northern chickadee, by the way. I do have a bird identification book. And when I first got the feeder, I would scramble to get the book and I would identify each bird. But now I'm so used to these uh, these uh, eastern Pennsylvania birds that you'd be hard-pressed for me to see a bird at a feeder in which I couldn't identify by visuals alone. I don't even need to go into my field guide book. The other day, the Audubon Society of Bucks County um, had a guided bird watching walking tour through the woods. And uh, I did not go. I was about to go, but I ended up just cleaning my garage instead. Uh, because I really, if I go to on this, I realize uh, this will be my my final break from reality. Then, like it's over, I'll just live in permanent yips, just mental yips for the rest of it's the final break. Really, he's in a play and birds. Can this get enough? So I didn't go. I might go. I might still go on that guided bird walking, but I don't know if I need a guide to tell me what to do. I know you look at the birds. And you figure out what kinds they are. I know. So we'll see what kind of birds are in Ireland. And if they tweet with an Irish accent. A argument I get in with my wife sometimes is when I feed, uh, when I fill the bird feeder, I like to buy the expensive bird seed, the gourmet bird seed at the PetSmart. She says, oh, just get the regular bird seed. But... I want good word of mouth spread about my restaurant, my bird feeder. I want the birds to say, this is the spot to go. He gets the good stuff. So I will study the flight patterns of birds tomorrow morning and give you my full Super Bowl prediction based on the movement of the Northern Chickadee. But for now, I'm thinking Patriots 52, Rams 10.
All right. Questions, comments, concerns, complaints, please contact Brian Francis podcast at outlook.com. Thanks for joining me. Have a wonderful Groundhog's Day and an even better Super Bowl. Later.